0: At North Point Community Church, we are passionate about helping our community move toward a life fully devoted to Jesus. And we hope this message helps you do that. Thank you for tuning in. Good morning to you who are watching at home or wherever we are. So glad you're here. Uh, We've talked about it, but live stream starts today, next Sunday for Easter all four services. So at 8:30, at 9:30, 1030 and 11:30, you can join in from anywhere. So uh, like Jake said, invite someone, talk to them, bring them here for in person. It's going to be wonderful and uh, we're jazzed about that. Today's Palm Sunday, right? So I should be out here with my palms. That's all I got. Sorry, uh, it's, it's not going to get any better. Um, it's the it's the Sunday that that um, historically Jesus came riding into Jerusalem um, before the Passover, before his uh, crucifixion, before his resurrection, and the whole city reached out and and just was going crazy because of who Jesus was. That their anticipation that he was the Messiah. Really, really cool stuff. Um, we hope that you have been reading through the New Testament. We, uh, we've had a project over the last 90 days, over the last three months or so, to read through the New Testament. It, uh, if you're on target, you'll be ending this week, which is really, really cool. I hope that's been fun for you. And le- let me just uh, kind of bring you up to date on, uh, on kind of where we've been, overview kind of stuff. Uh, this week we read 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Jude and Revelation. First, second, and third John are three letters that were written by the Apostle John to the churches. Uh, and, and the basic theme of those letters is, it's all about the love of God and the love that we need to have for others. Good, good stuff. We're gonna dive into that theme today, uh, looking at first John four in just a little bit. Jude is a really short book. It comes right before Revelation. Um, It was written by the half-brother of Jesus. In it, Jude says that I'm the brother of James, who was the half-brother of Jesus. Same parents, Mary and Joseph. Um, Jesus' father was the Holy Spirit, so he's the older half-brother of both of them. Um, uh, Jude, or or Judas, uh, did not become a follower of Jesus until after the resurrection. He grew up as his little brother, and he didn't think that he was all that hot until after the resurrection. And at that point then, it, everything changed. Good stuff in Jude. The theme of Jude, of Jude really is to defend, to stand for the faith that you've been given, that came down through the saints, came down through the Old Testament. The, the, the truth that you know is there, defend that. And don't give in to false teachers. Don't let stuff go crazy. That's Jude. Revelation is, um, is known as the apocalypse. And if you've been a part of the church or just a part of society at all, most people say, oh, man, I want to study Revelation. That's, you know, that's, uh, then we know the end, all that kind of stuff. Um, Let me just give you a word of caution. Let me me take a step back first and say all of Scripture is worth reading because it, it expresses the heart of God. Revelation, lots of people want it uh, because it's figurative language and it's like this, uh, you know, if I can just decode this, I'll have everything figured out. I would caution you to not read Revelation to try and figure out all the symbolism of everything. Because we won't know that until ultimately we're in heaven. But I think if you read it and look for the themes that are there through the entire book of Revelation, all of a sudden, it makes a ton more sense and is, is really actually, I think, incredibly encouraging. What do I think those four themes are? Uh, it's, it's this, that Jesus is the perfect sacrifice. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus, Jesus is the one who changes everything. We'll talk more about that next Sunday on Easter Sunday with the resurrection. Um, the second thing is the holiness of God. When you read through the book of Revelation, you see over and over again that God is holy, holy, and that, um, and that, that without without Jesus, we can't be in His presence. Um, the holiness of God uh, you'll see over and over again. Um, the the, uh, the third thing is that there will be judgment for all of us, for every person who's alive. There is going to come a time that we stand before the Father, and there will be judgment. Um, that's a theme that that occurs over and over again uh, in the book of Revelation. And the fourth theme is this, heaven's gonna be incredibly cool beyond anything that we can imagine. It's not gonna be a place where we just sit around on our hands and go and, and twiddle our thumbs. The presence of God will be there and it will be intense and active engagement with him forever. It's gonna be incredible. Uh, John said, you know what? Words can't, can, they fail when I try and describe what heaven's going to be like. So um, finish reading through Revelation and, and that would be great. Um, I've, I've said before, our vision at North Point right now, to, to live out our mission, to help all people uh, follow Jesus, um, all people, <laughs> wow, my brain went dead. Um, anyway, here's our mission. <laughs> um, that's really bad and it's on tape. You're watching in live stream. That's great. Um, our vision is that, that everybody who calls North Point home would see Jesus working in their life and that they would be sharing that with the people that are a part of their life, the people that are close to them, their, their family, their friends, their neighbors, the people who work. That's, that's our goal. We hope that you're doing that. We hope that you're doing that and we wanna invite you to share those stories. We have a camera set up in room 106 so that you can do that here. You can also go to the website or the app and, um, and sign on and, and go to the share your story tab and, um, and just talk about how Jesus is working in your life. We want you to do that. Not to share how you came to know Jesus, your testimony that happened years and years ago. We wanna know what's Jesus doing in your life right now in uh, this spring, in the middle of the pandemic, and all the stuff that's going on. We wanna share another one of those stories. Take a look on screen.
1: Hi, everyone. I am Rachel Swanchera. I have been a part of the North Point family for just over four years now. And I am looking forward to sharing a little bit with you about how Jesus is moving in my life and with my circle of friends. So back in the early days of the pandemic, I think it was around March, April, I decided to start a weekly girls Zoom chat with four of my other friends. And it's been great, we've done it ever since. Well, around the elections and things like that, we kept having conversations about politics and a couple of them were very strong one way and some of us you know, were kind of wishy-washy the other way. I felt a need during one of our group chats to explain why it's okay to have these different opinions and why we need to give each other some grace. And it just kind of came over me when I was in that conversation with them. And I said, look, you all have different beliefs. I have a friend in this Zoom chat who is more of a spiritual believer and another one who is more scientific driven. You know, they have flat out said that maybe they don't follow Christ. And i just could not let this go without being said and i told them just because you guys don't believe in jesus i still want to be your friend i still want to show you love and i still will talk about jesus because that is who i am and i am okay with you who doesn't have the same view as me as long as you respect my view of believing in god and it was almost like a light bulb went off in our group chat because they were like, wow, I can't believe like just that simplified explanation helped them to realize that just because maybe they're not a Democrat or they're not a Republican, that they can agree and be okay with that other person. It's okay to have different opinions, but at the end of the day, it's all about respecting each other and loving each other, no matter what you believe. And I think that by by sharing that with them, maybe that didn't bring them to Christ, it didn't really change their religious views or lack thereof, but it let them see that it just comes back down to that bottom line of respecting and loving one another. And that is the core concept of being a follower of Jesus, is loving each other as brothers and sisters.
0: It all comes down to that core concept of loving each other as followers of Jesus. That's, that's where we're going today. If you've got your Bibles, take them out. Turn to uh, 1 John chapter four. A Couple of verses that we're gonna look at that really are the foundation for everything. If you've got your app notes, go ahead and open those up. Let me share what John says to followers of Jesus in the first century. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who doesn't love doesn't know God, for God is love. Love's a word that we use all the time, right? We we love sunsets, we love our dog, we love ice cream, we love what we love our wife, we love our kids. We, love's just a word that describes a lot of different kinds of things. In the original language in Greek, this word that is used when when John says God is love is the word agape. It's a kind of love that focuses on the other person and gives to help take care of them expecting nothing in return. It's a love that just keeps on giving and giving. So when John says God is love, he's saying God is agape. It's the kind of love that's not a hallmark, everything gets resolved in two hours as the dog comes home and the snow starts to fall kind of love, all right? It's not that. It's a love that in our world is maybe characterized better by a marriage that, that lasts 40 or 50, 60, 70 years, that goes through the wars, that goes through pain and loss and disease, heartache, difficulty, and that through all of that, the couple just continue to love each other and to stand by each other, not because it's easy, but because they love. That's the picture of God's love for us. At his core, God is love. His love is perfect. He wants the best for us. He allows us to live in a broken world and to experience pain because he loves us. Now, that that can be a funny sentence, that can feel wrong, right? To say, wait, if God could prevent pain, if he could prevent all of that discomfort for us, and he doesn't, how can that be love? That, That sounds wrong, right? Until you think from a bigger perspective. If you think about a parent who would have a child and they would decide, you know what, we're gonna protect that child from anything uncomfortable. That means that they're never gonna leave their house. They're never gonna experience hot or cold. They can't use electricity because electricity is dangerous. They're never gonna ride a bike. They're never gonna be able to walk outside. They're not gonna go to school. They're not, be, um, uh, they're not gonna use technology because technology is dangerous. They're gonna be shielded from every outside influence. The only cooking, the only food that they're gonna have is what their, their mom fix, fixes for them because every place uh, food that comes from someplace else might not be safe. We wouldn't say that that's loving, right? We would say that that's child abuse. Because protecting that child, keeping them from any opportunity for failure, for any opportunity for pain, is gonna limit their growth. It's gonna limit their ability to grow into an adult that's productive, that that, uh, can experience the world. We read last week in Hebrews, if you were reading through, that God disciplines those he loves. Why? He purposely allows us to experience pain, to experience difficult situations, because he wants us to choose to turn to him, to choose to depend on him, to choose to love him, instead of depending on ourselves, instead of trying to live with ourselves at the center of the world. God wants to have that kind of relationship with us. God could choose to protect us from pain and grief and trouble, but he loves us too much to do so. God really is love. And so we who follow Jesus, who are being changed by Jesus, who are committed to the mission of Jesus, love people as well. 1 John four nineteen says this, we love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. Whoever doesn't love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he's given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Anyone who is serious about following Jesus is characterized by love. Anyone who's serious about following Jesus is characterized by love. Notice that I didn't say anybody who's serious about following Jesus should be characterized by love. They are characterized by love. That's what John said, that's what Jesus said. You wanna you want, you want know who's a follower of Jesus? It's not gonna be because of their knowledge of scripture. It's not gonna be because of the correctness of their thought, theology. It's not gonna be because of what they wear or their bank Count or their voting, or their voting record, or um, what shows they watch or they don't watch. Jesus said it's going to be because they love each other. Our identity, our identity as Christ followers, is that we love the people that we come in contact with. Um, what's what? What is your identity? I, I I've told this story before, but I I remember when I was I think eleven years old. I. Um, I joined organized football for the first time, Wee football, and I remember that summer so vividly because it was incredibly hot. Uh, it was probably 85 or 90 when we practiced that summer, about 90% humidity, and that first week of football practice, it's all about conditioning. That's all you do, and, um, and so I went the first night and just struggled through it. I went the second night and struggled through it. The third night, I faked being sick so I could stay home. Literally, uh, it wasn't my finest hour. The fourth night, I'm in the car thinking, we're gonna go and run and do all that stuff. I don't wanna do it, and I'm in the car on the way to practice, I I, I said to my dad, I said, Dad, I don't think I wanna play football anymore. And he said, that's great, you don't have to. And I'm thinking, yes, yes, let's go home. And he said, after the season is done, you never have to play organized football again. But you made a commitment to the team and you're going to finish this season because rubles aren't quitters. I remember that. I mean, I could still see my dad. Rubles aren't quitters. That helped establish my identity, our identity as a family. It, it's something, that's a story I told my kids. Rubles aren't quitters. That's not what we do. What's your identity as a follower of Jesus? It's that we love people. That's what God calls us to. So what's your identity? Are, are, what are you characterized by? Are you characterized by a harsh, judgmental spirit? Are you characterized by anger? Do you care more about rules than you do about people? Do you care more about being in control than you do about the people who are around you? If you go to a restaurant today for lunch, do you care more about your food than you do about the person who's serving your food? Do you care more about your child's grades than you care about your child or or their teacher? Do you care more about your to-do list than you do about knowing the name of the custodian or that intern at work or the barista in the coffee shop? Do you care more about where you need to be than you care about that person who's stranded on the side of the road? What are you characterized by? And why is it such a big deal? The reason it's such a big deal is because we are the living example of God here on earth. We are the demonstration of what it looks like to know God when we love or when we don't. Um, four days after Palm Sunday, 2,000 years ago, when Jesus got together with the disciples to celebrate the Passover and Jesus washed their feet and they ate the meal together and Jesus said, Some, one of you is gonna be betray me. As Jesus is teaching after that, after that This is what he says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. That night he'd go to the cross, he'd be betrayed. All of his friends that he was talking to would run away from him. But Jesus said, your love for one another will prove that you're my disciples. I grew up, I grew up in the church and when I was little, we sang out of a hymnal, Remember what hymnals are. Um, uh, th- that was that was. I-, I loved the hymns growing up. It was great. But I remember on Sunday nights often, sometimes on Wednesday nights would not just sing from the hymnal, would sing courses as well. There was a course that I remember so vividly from when I was little that went, love, 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 love. The gospel in a word is love. Love thy neighbor as thy brother. Love, love, love. And you could sing it as a round. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Does anyone remember that song? Some of you, very few of you. Uh, here's, the, here's the thing about that particular chorus. It wasn't until years later that I realized the power of the lyric. The gospel in a word is love. Love love is It sums up who God is, why Jesus came, and how we respond to the rest of the world. As I grew up to be a teenager, we sang more choruses, and we sang a a song that was written by a Catholic priest in 1966 that said, we are one in the spirit, we're one in the Lord, we're one in the spirit, we're one in the Lord, and we pray that our unity may one day be restored and they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. That's what Jesus said to his disciples on the night that he was betrayed. They'll know you're my disciples by your love. What, so what's love look like? What's that look like in practical terms for us? First John 4, 9. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one's ever seen God. But if we love God, if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. Don't miss this. Love is an action. It's not just this general feeling, oh, yeah, I love everybody, I love the world. Love is an action, it's what we do. Love is a verb, it's not an attitude. It gets lived out in our lives. Earlier in in 1 John, John said this, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let's show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth, so we will be confident when we stand before God. The question for us is who who do we love? How do we love? What's that look like? I think when you read through the book of 1 John, you find that it starts with the body of Christ. It starts with the people who are a part of God's body. Um, If love is an action, if love is a verb, That's why it's so important to be in relationship with the people who are the body of Christ. That's why it's so important to be a part of a life group, part of disciple making friendships. When you know someone, you know what their needs are. You know how to love them. But it's not just the body of Christ. It's anybody that we come in contact with that has a need that we can respond and help meet that need. North Point is an incredibly generous church. I, I, um, I'm so grateful to serve here because inc- y- y'all are incredibly generous. It, it's cool. We budget to help meet the needs of people who have needs here in our area. We do special offerings several times a year to help meet the needs of people who are here in our area. About two years ago, um, we were able to help 3,800 families that had medical debt that they couldn't pay by paying that off, almost $4 million I love it that we're so generous, but frankly, it's a lot easier to give money than it is to give of your, yourself to love someone. It's a lot easier to write a check. And what God calls us to do, what John challenges us to do, is to love people with our whole selves. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question, Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what's the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and you love your neighbor as yourself. That's right, Jesus said. Do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, and so he asked Jesus, who's my neighbor? Jesus went on to tell a story that we know as the Good Samaritan. It's a story about a guy who's on a journey, who gets beaten up and robbed, left uh, for dead on the side of the road, and religious leaders walk by. They see this guy, but they walk by and don't don't do anything. They don't pay any attention to him. And a guy from a different race, a, a race that that literally is is in contention at war with with uh, this guy's race, comes by and sees this guy in need, and he picks him up, and he takes care of his medical needs and he takes him to a place where he can recover and covers the cost of the recovery of that guy. And Jesus finishes the story by saying, who was his neighbor? That's the question. It was the person who saw the need and met it. Neighbor for us is not defined by convenience, but by cognizance. It's a $5 word that just means by being aware of the people around us. You know, um, for me in, in, in working through today's message, um, the, there was a harsh reality for me. There's a lot of times that I don't pay attention to the needs of others who are hurting. That's a problem. That's a big problem for me because we're called to love people who are in need. What, what does love look like you know, if you're one of those people that, that do just pass by the, the, the guy on the side of the road, that you're just unaware of the needs around us, what's that look like? Let me give you just a whole bunch of ideas real quickly about ways that you can help people who are in need here in our area. There are people in poverty that, that don't have much, that, that uh, live in substandard housing that, that you may be aware of if you reach out and have a relationship with them. There are people in our area that can't read, that maybe God would lead you into a relationship with them so that you could help them learn how to read. Um, Lansing has been a place Lansing has been a place that refugees have come to for lots of years. In the last several years, that number has decreased significantly, but I think with the new administration, that number is going to increase again. And maybe God's calling you today when you think about loving your neighbor to connect with St. Vincent de Paul, who, who organizes the, the um, immigration of refugees into our area, and help them in that process, to build a relationship, not just a one-time thing, but to build a relationship with them to help them acclimate to where we live. We have a group here from North Point that, that, that's led by Chuck who plays bass guitar this morning at Maplewood Women's Shelter that serves food to a homeless shelter. That's a great thing man, if you do it, go consistently, build relationships with the people who are there so that you can love your neighbor as yourself. Here in DeWitt, we have a, we have a home called House of Promise that's uh, to rescue women uh, who have been a part of human trafficking. And maybe God is calling somebody from North Point to build relationships with those women, women to go over, to not, not just to give money, maybe just to give money, but to go over and help them, help them learn how to write resumes, to help them learn how to do some things that they have not ever done before because of the life that they've lived. Um, maybe, maybe you need, God's calling you to connect with Habitat for Humanity. People who are house insecure and to work alongside them, we're, I think we're gonna have an opportunity to partner with Habitat for a house build in Clinton County and to, and to be able to do a significant part of that work where we'll be able to come alongside the family that's gonna live in that house, build a relationship with them, and help them. Maybe it's for people who are food insecure. And the thing that you can do is to go and work at Redeemer's Food Pantry or at, at uh, Basic Needs in, in St. John's or um, at, uh, at Beacon of Hope in St. John's, and not just go one time, but to go and to be able to, to develop friendships, relationships with the people who are there, to love your neighbor as yourself. Those are all institutional kinds of things. But the cool thing is within the church, I've seen people give perfectly good cars to somebody who was in need. Not charging them anything, just giving them the car because they needed it. I've seen people pay for somebody's house payment for months until they were back on their feet. I've seen people babysit for a friend so that a person could go to a job interview. I've seen people adopt children and foster children and come alongside as surrogate parents for kids who, who maybe only are living in a single uh, parent home and to learn to love and care for those kids in the way that God would. I've seen people forgive people who've hurt them, who've stolen from them. Understand that in all the stuff I'm talking about, I'm not talking about a social gospel. I'm talking about loving people because because God calls us to and because of the way that God sees them and the value he sees in them and giving of ourselves to invest in them on a regular basis. It's about more than random acts of kindness. Those are good but it's about being in relationship with people. It's about the way that we live our lives. Loving someone gives them hope, and hope drives despair away, like a bright sun after a spring rain. We don't need to do it all ourselves, but we do need to do something. There's lots of need. What what does it take? It takes seeing the world with the eyes of Jesus seeing the people in your world with the eyes of Jesus. It takes a rational preoccupation with how, God, how precious God sees the people in your life. And it takes being available. Maybe, maybe you're old and retired. You've got all kinds of time that you could invest in, in um, people. Maybe you're not old and retired. Um, maybe, you're, maybe you're young, uh, single, don't have kids. You've got time that you could invest and love people in a way that you've never thought of before. Maybe you have kids at home and you think, I don't really have that much time. You know what, you have an incredible opportunity to shape the view of your children, whether they're preschoolers or elementary age or teenagers, about what it looks like to love your neighbor as yourself. You can do that by the choices that you make. James one twenty seven says, "Pure and undefiled religion, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father, means caring for orphans and widows in their distress, refusing to let the world corrupt you." Jesus said in Matthew twenty five, "You want to live it out? Love the least of these, the people who are poor and naked, people in prison." Um, Casey Crawford is the CEO of Mortgage Movement. Um, He's a former NFL tight end. And, uh, and he tells the story about growing up uh in Washington DC his dad owned a True Value hardware store and he said his dad would come home from work and tell about the employees that worked for him one was a guy named Earl E Bird he said the Earl Bird was this short guy stocky he was like a boxer but he was a devout follower of Jesus and he said his dad would always come home at, around the dinner table and tell him what Earl had done how he had treated people in such an incredible way when, when payday came, um, Crawford's dad would cash his employees' paychecks, and he had $10 bills, so he would give them stacks of $10 bills. And he said Earl Bird would take those $10, that stack of $10 bills and would take his tithe and put that in one stack, and then create a second, ta- uh, a second stack that he set aside to help the children in the neighborhood in Washington, D.C., in inner-city D.C. to help take care of them. And then he would live off the rest of that. An incredible story. He, he said one night he came home and his, his dad was, was just kind of despondent and he, and he said at dinner time that night, Earl quit today. And the kids were like, wait, Earl's a follower of Jesus. He's like the heart of the story. Quit. And his dad said, yeah, he, he quit. And, um, and Crawford said that he said to his dad, what are you going to do? And he said, well, about noon, this guy came in. Um, uh, this guy came in named Alonzo and said, do you have any work? I'm out of work. And I hired him on the spot. He started, and so we have a new guy. And, and Alonzo was a follower of Jesus as well. And he said their dinner conversations then be, began to come about what Alonzo did at work and how he treated people, that kind of thing. He said it was, it was really cool the way that God just filled that gap. Um, he said several months later, uh, one of the people who worked in the, in the back of the hardware store quit. And so Mr. Crawford brought all of his employees together and said, hey, do you know anybody that we could hire to fill this position? And Alonzo said, you know, Earl's still out of work. He's looking for a job. And Mr. Crawford said, what are you talking about? And he said, yeah, Earl's been out of, out of work for, I don't know, three or four months now. Um, and Mr. Crawford ultimately hired Earl back to work. But when he talked to him, he said, uh, um, uh, well, the first thing he said was, Alonzo, how do you know Earl? He said, oh, we go to the same church together. Earl prayed with me when I was about to be evicted with my family. We didn't have money. I was looking for a job. And he's the one who told me about this job. He said, you know what? Come in here tomorrow at noon. Uh, Come in the hardware store at noon tomorrow and there'll be a job for you. Crawford said, It's pretty incredible to think that a guy would give up his job so that a brother in Christ would have a job and his family would be spared. That's what love looks like. In 1965, Jackie DeShannon released the single What the World Needs Now is Love, Sweet Love. It became the theme song really for a generation. Vietnam was six years in about that point in time when we look back on that time, we, we talk about how great the, the 50s and 60s were. There was a lot of stuff in the background that was really ugly and nasty that was happening at that point in time. And that song really um, capsulized this desire for there to be something better than that. Six years later, in 1971, Tom Clay took that Jackie DeShannon song and, and did a mashup of it and did it with clips of John F., uh, the audio of John F. Kennedy being shot and killed in Dallas, and the audio of Bobby Kennedy being shot in that hotel room in California, and a clip of Dr. Dr. Martin Luther King singing or speaking before, before he was killed as well. That recording had a profound impact on me as a teenager. In the midst of riots and assassinations and a war in a divided country, Those simple words that I think came from Jesus, but off the pen of Burt Bacharach said this. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. That's the only thing that there's just too little of. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. No, not just for some, but for everyone. 45 years later, the world is still clamoring for the same thing. The world is longing to see, longing to know someone who will truly love others. Not just people who love them, not just people who look like them, not just people who live in the same part of town and cheer for the same teams, but people who will love everyone because of Jesus, who will love with action, with intentionality, and with consistency, let's be that person by letting Jesus reshape our world and our interaction with others because of what he's done for us. Let's pray. God, that's our desire. Our, um, from the bottom of our hearts, we want to love in the way that you have loved us. God, we ask for forgiveness for the times that we've walked by, that we've not paid attention, that we've missed opportunities. And we just ask that you'd open our eyes and that you'd change our hearts. God, we are serious about being followers of Jesus. And we want to love in the way that you've loved us. Help us to do that, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.